We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Julie Stewart-Binks here, and on today's show, we sat down with NFL host Kurt Menefee over a few tequilas. We talked about the state of the NFL, what he expects from the XFL, and got some insight on the day-to-day with his co-stars on Fox NFL Sunday. Fill your glass and settle in for this edition of Drinks with Binks. Welcome on into Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks, and I'm so excited to sip on a couple of cocktails today with my friend, host, and broadcaster, host of Fox NFL Sunday, Kurt Menefee. Also, many jobs that you're going to be doing this year with the XFL and America's Top Dog. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you again, too. We were colleagues back in the day when I was employed by Fox, and of course, they kicked my ass to the curb. They're like, get out of town. You stayed. (laughs) We miss you. But thank you. Appreciate that. Um, So on the show, of course, drinks, binks. We asked you what you wanted to drink, and it is tequila. Plaza Azul tequila. It's my favorite. Um, It's just a good sip. Have you ever had it? No, I haven't. All right. So you want to? I'm going to pour it. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take take me through this. Okay. So just take the the top off, but not all the way. So put it partially back in. Now slap it. Like, hit it? Yeah. Like, slap it. Oh. You can slap it harder. <laughs> Is this that kind of show? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, exactly. No, totally. no, you do it and you ring the bell. Oh. And then you pour it. Yeah. You want to do it? Okay. All right. Do you want Whoa. Like that. All right. That means now it's time for a drink. Now it's time for a drink. Okay. So I for that, I'd like to have it just show. on the rocks uh, with a lime for me. Well, we got so. Well, we, we got it on the rocks part. That's right. And more or less, like. Well, how long is this conversation? Uh, pretty long. How about we we'll start there? We'll start there, and if we have to get a round two, we'll do it. I'll take this one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> got to host and pour drinks at the same time. She... Now, do you drink tequila at all? Um, you know, I've been known to sling back a couple of shots in my old heyday, but uh, not so much anymore as... Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Yes, let's toast to, to new beginnings. Amen to that, yes, sister. Yes. Yeah, what, what you learn, especially for me when I, when I was younger, I would drink margaritas, but I didn't like tequila. Yeah. Because, you see, you do that. Oh, 
It's like memories. But then you past. find out actually. Well, the the older yeah. you get, luckily for me, the more expensive tequila you can afford. And not that this is crazy, don't get me wrong, but like when you start out when you're young and you're drinking tequila that costs $5 a bottle, yeah. that's when you make that face. But if you have tequila, it's just nice. No, it is quite sick. nice. It is yeah. really, it's, it just, it warms you, give me a little bit of a kick. Mm-hmm. Should be using this for every show. There broadcast. you go. <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll see how we're like. Well, it, depends on how good the show turns out to. Yeah, well, we'll we've had people show. have either six drinks to water, so... We've got we've gone all Dan over Patrick the place. Had uh, he had water, even though he's a tequila guy. We discussed that. He we shot the show earlier in the day, so he was like, "I'm not." Is it was like eleven? He's like, "I'm not going to have tequila now." But okay. we've had other people have. Grant Wall had mezcal Negroni at ten a.m. So who drank the most? Um, Grant did then. I was well when you start at ten a.m. Yeah, and I was and I still had to do another show that day, so I was like trying to be responsible and all. So when <laughs> so you're drinking in front you? of your bosses, it's you know, well you this get is paid what to drink in front of your bosses. Yep. That's, see, that's I, the gig we I all figured look it for. out. Figured it out, and they came up with this idea, so okay. we all win. But when we drink this drink, we want to go somewhere in the world. And where would you like to drink today? Um, just somewhere tropical. Okay. No, beautiful ocean. Sandy beach, lots of sunshine. So that could fit. Well, oh, look behind you. It looks like we have your dream. Oh, well, other than the cruise ship right in the middle block in the Cabo, dream. yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, this is what I'm looking for. This is great. Yeah, yeah, this is Cabo, which is near where you live in Los Angeles. And quick little jaunt well, you, for. Maybe from Canada, Cabo and, <laughs> and Los Angeles are close, deep, but not in the real world. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I mean, tough for us in New York to go to Cabo, so yeah, but that's true. it is beautiful. Um, and perfect to have a little tequila there. Mm-hmm. And we are in New York, as we mentioned, a place where you've spent a lot of time. You are, you know, one of the broadcasters who is beloved in the city oh, with please. MSG and Fox 5. Yeah, I what, don't know about beloved, but thank what you. Are, <laughs> what's sort of your lasting memory of of covering sports in this town? Wow, covering sports in this town, probably the Yankees run. I was here, I came in 1995, and I left uh, 2004. Um, I left 2006, I'm sorry. So it was 95 to 2006. So the first year, so this is just to backtrack a little bit. I was in Dallas right before mm-hmm. coming here. So I was in J- Dallas, 92 to 95. So it was Jimmy Johnson's last two years. They won Super Bowls. And Barry Switzer's first year, but they lost the NFC Championship. So two of the three years I was in Dallas, though, I covered a Super okay. Bowl team. I come to New York, 95. The Yankees hadn't made the playoffs since the early 80s or mid-80s. Um, they make the playoffs, but they lose in that classic series to Seattle. 96, this next year, they wind up winning the World Series, and they win four out of six in that, during that run. And I remember telling George Steinbrenner, I go, you should give me a ring. Because I got the Cowboys two rings, left there, and I moved to New York, and I get you four. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. It, it's logic, Menifee logic. <laughs> he didn't buy it, but it was fun. And then that was probably a great run. Uh, the Rangers, the Devils won a couple Stanley mm-hmm. Cups during that. It was just after the Rangers won theirs. The Knicks were in the Eastern Conference Finals, it seems like, every year. It was in that time when they were battling the Miami Heat all the time. So this was a great one year. The Mets and, and the uh, Yankees played in the World Series in 2000. Mm-hmm. So it was a great time to cover sports in, in New York. Unfortunately, not like now. You know, where, it's the I mean, opposite it, of yeah. what's going on right now. the Yankees now. right now. I mean, you know, the Mets yeah. are down, both football teams. The, the Rangers Knicks. stink. I mean, it's just yeah. it's hard I mean, to the do. Islanders are on a 10-game yeah. winning streak, but no one cares. Yeah. Uh, the not, Mets are the same. Way. No, I had now. fun rooting for it. Last year... To switch subjects a little bit, 
my two favorite teams in the NBA playoffs were the Clippers and the Nets. Uh, just because they both played so hard and they were fun teams. It was to the watch. underdog in each city. Yeah, too. exactly. And so, but it was fun to root for them. Now they both go out and they get superstars. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be the same rooting from the for them from that standpoint because the underdog gets taken away from you a little bit. Well, I mean, they still kind of have that. If Kawhi is going to be taking load management days off and not playing, and then yeah. KD is yeah. not there, they yeah. still you can root you know, a little it's, bit. It's, but anyway, so back when I was here in, yeah. in New York, though, it was it was kind of the late '90s, early 2000s. The, um, the heyday of, of modern sports mm-hmm. for all the uh, different franchises. And then just in terms of you live in L.A. now and, and you work at Fox and, and many other different jobs. Mm-hmm. But what do you miss about the city just in general? Energy. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's funny. Um, I said I moved away in 2006. And the first couple of years in particular when you're out in L.A., you just miss the energy of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, from the moment you walk out your door here, you got to be on the treadmill. But you got to go. But oh, there's, yeah. there's a there's a, 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 a something it brings an excitement um, that I, I certainly miss. Mm-hmm. You don't get when you go into your garage, you get in your car, you turn on your Sirius XM radio, and you make a couple phone calls. It's not the same. You know, there's not the same vibe. Yeah, it's also, a lot nicer and less stinky. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, I also miss though. I miss, and this is going to sound like a politically correct answer, and I don't mean it that way, but I miss the multiculturalism mm-hmm. of New York City. People, when you're in L.A., they tell you it's the most multicultural city in America. It's the most different languages spoken. But I go back to what happens is you're at your house, you get in your car, you listen to the radio, you drive to work, you get in your cubicle, and you see the same people all the time. When you're in New York, from the moment you walk out your door, every restaurant you go to, every subway you go to, and it's not just about seeing the different races, and you see people from all over the world, but different socioeconomic backgrounds. Definitely. People interact here with people that... In L.A., they would never even see on a daily basis. And I do miss that because that's part of the energy I'm talking about. And isn't that what Jay-Z says? Like when you hit the streets, like it doesn't really matter who you are. Exactly. You could see Jay-Z walking down the street and then a homeless person beside him. It's it's a great equalizer. That's what makes the city awesome. Um, We are going to take a quick time out right now, but find out how Kurt went from local to national after this. Welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB, and we've got Kurt Menefee from Fox here on the couch with us, and we are sipping on some very smooth tequila. Well, that was a good intro, considering that's your third glass. People don't yeah. realize, during a break... I was shooting these. She, she downs them. Yeah. I, no, I I mean, I used to be like that back in the day, and now it's just still time. memories yeah. of... Yeah, so this not going Usually down so not smooth. memories. I know. It's, that's it's that's very true. Very yeah. true. Um, we were just discussing your career and your background in New York, which we are where studios are right now and you are in LA you are hosting NFL on Fox the the big show with all the guys all the personalities what a job to have like this is a dream job for so many broadcasters hosts around the world you must like watch your back just like "Ah, someone's coming someone wants this you never know but it's one of those things you go as long as I go out and do the best job I can everything will take care of itself you know can't worry about other people and you've been doing it since 2007 Mm -hmm. tell me what it was like when you first were given this role what kind of language can we use on this show? Anything. We've blown past every stop okay, sign, right. so. Well, no, I was. The reason I ask is because the, the classic story is um, after the 2006 uh, play, uh, playoffs. So, January 2006, so it was 2005 season technically, but 
Nobody cares about technicalities. <laughs> so in, in, in January 2006, James Brown, who had been hosting Fox NFL Sunday for the first 12 years of its ex existence, told them he was leaving going to CBS. So then they were looking at a replacement. You know, I had done local television in New York. I was doing games at Fox. had been mm -hmm. doing them for 10 years at that point as a play-by-play -play guy for NFL, a little bit of baseball, but uh, mostly football. And um, so I was one of the people that they auditioned, they looked at for the job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So January was when he told them he was leaving. We get to July 4th weekend, and they still haven't announced what they're doing or whatever. So I'm still here in New York, but I'm moving to L.A. because I decided that off-season I was moving to L.A. regardless. I'd gotten tired of New York winters and wanted oh, something yeah. different. So um, I get a call from, from David Hill yeah. uh, and Ed Gorin, who were running Fox at that time, and they say, hey, we just want you to go because Labor Day, uh, Fourth of July weekend, we know no announcement's been made. We want you to be able to relax and have a good time. We're taking the show on the road next year. Joe Buck and you will host it. Joe will do the first 45 minutes. You'll do the last 15 because we'll go to wherever his game is on the road. Okay. It's kind of like college game day. Gotcha. That was kind yeah. of the theory. Then you'll do the half times and the post game, blah, blah, blah. We're going to split it. But this is what we're doing. So we want you to know. So, But that's a long gap to not know. Do I have <laughs> the greatest gig in the world? Yeah. Or am I going to go back to doing games again? So you're like, you're going, you're celebrating everything. So I called up David the following week, you know, after you get through Labor Day, um, uh, Fourth of July weekend. David, what advice do you have for me? He goes, don't fuck it up. <laughs> okay. So considering your boss tells you don't fuck it up and you get the gig, that was the number one show for 12 straight years. You're like, he's right. Yeah. Because if it goes down, there's only one person to blame. So that was what the pressure was on me when I started. But you, 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 you do some things when you're younger, you don't realize that just go out and do your job. If you go out and do the reason they hired you, mm -hmm. it'll take care of itself. And so far it has. Yeah, it's it's... But sometimes that can get in your head. Right? Oh, it did. For me at the beginning, for sure. When I started, so the whole goal was to not to fuck it up. Yeah. And that's all you're thinking because you're like, the <laughs> boss is looking. All right. So I go in and the show had been running. It had been running for a dozen years and it, it had Terry, Howie, Jimmy. Uh, Michael wasn't on it at the time. And um, so we do the road year and you want to prove that you belong. I mean, that's the thing. You're like, the other guys kind of know who I am, but I was doing games and we didn't really spend any time together. So you want to fit in right away. And the whole vibe of the show is the relationships and the camaraderie and the joking and all that kind of thing. But it's hard to do when you don't have a true relationship with someone. Right. And you can try and force that. And that's what I did coming out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first week we did the show was on a road show. And so we did it in Jacksonville. And I did it. And I made this joke about Bradshaw's divorces and all this kind of stuff. And I don't even know if Bradshaw knows my middle name, my last name by then. <laughs> you know? But I do it. And it just, like, kind of landed flat. I'm like, eh, okay. Uh, and I heard through some back channels that he wasn't happy about it. it was, okay, fine. The second week I go out and I do some stupid joke, and it, I honestly don't even remember what it was, but I do remember it, it, again, didn't go well. And I'm walking around the Fox building, um, and I'm just like, I'm gonna fuck this up, you know? I'm thinking. And a guy by the name of Roy Hamilton. Oh yeah, I know Roy. You know Roy, yeah. so he was an executive at, at Fox at the time, was a, a guard on the UCLA basketball teams mm. back in the 70s when they were on their championship run, but he's in television now. And Roy had nothing to do with Fox NFL Sunday. But he saw me walking the, down the halls, and he said, hey, Kurt, you got a second? Said, yeah. So he come into my office, and he sat me down. He goes, look, you already got the gig. They hired you because of who you are. Just relax and be yourself. Stop trying to force it. And that happened, and honest to goodness, like two days later, I get a call from Howie Long. And Howie says, hey, man, he goes, don't worry about it. Relax. Everybody likes you. Just be yourself. Oh, that's Just great. Just be yourself. And... When you have two people tell you that, first of all, it tells you that you're doing something wrong. But yeah. it, it, it's like the hallelujah chorus hit in my head. You know, it's like, this makes sense. Stop trying to force it.
-hmm. Just relax and be yourself. From that moment on, I was able to let my guard down and just let it come to me. And that changed, I believe, the course of, of, of everything else that happened. Because had I continued to try and force it, it definitely would not have worked. Well, that's nice, having the support of your, yeah. your yeah. bosses, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people don't have that. And when they just tell you, listen, you've got it, you're mm -hmm. good. You mentioned the relationship so with your co-hosts. Mm -hmm. How did you... I'm going to get into it more of each of all of them because they're such unique personalities. But how did you start bonding with them? When did you realize that, all right, you know what? We're at a cool level to be yeah. friends now. That road year, that was the only year that we were on the road. So, uh, you know, full time. And we do shows from military bases and NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. But we were on the road every week. Again, it was trying to do the college game day thing. Um, and But I think that was important from the bonding standpoint because you're in a hotel room Friday, Saturday nights, so you do dinners. Mm -hmm. You have drinks. You play cards. You do those kinds of things that allow you to get to know each other as people. Right. And our families got to know each other and those kinds of things. So then when the second year came and they say, hey, we're not doing this on the road. Kurt, you're the host. We're moving back to L.A. in the studio, that kind of thing. By then, you were two or three steps ahead, I think, of where you would have been had it just been in the studio, yeah. then you'd have to try and manufacture those nights of dinner and those kinds of things that happen naturally. So I think that road year really was a mega deal as far as, as getting Yeah, being on the road is just so great it, for it's, it's the best thing. Well, you know what it is? It's, it's almost like it's a truth serum. Mm. Because you either find out you really get along with these people and you bond, <laughs> or you go, you know, there's a group of people that I can't stand and we will just work together. It, it will tell you about how, which way a relationship's going. It's so, almost like traveling with someone you're dating. Yeah, you know what I mean? It is. You find out rather or quickly mm -hmm. if that's the person you want to be with. And I, I traveled a lot in broadcasting and I found people I didn't really like working with and then people that I absolutely loved working yep. with. And so, and then that does help facilitate relationships or not. Mm -hmm. But from that first road trip, from those first few days with these guys to then now, how would you describe how your relationships evolved? Oh, please. Um, I mean, it is, to call it a brotherhood would sound cliche, but I truly mean it from the standpoint of we are all like brothers. We're like different age groups. Like, you know, how he, well, Jimmy's like the uncle, okay? And then, you know, Terry's like the older brother. And then, but we're all like, I, honest to goodness, I'm here in a hotel room in, in uh, LA, I mean, in New York. So I wake up this morning, there's a call from Terry from last night that I somehow missed in the middle of the night or late night. But Howie texts me first thing, um, Jimmy calls me, and this is just, none of it was about football, none of it. Mm -hmm. Every morning I wake up in LA, Michael's here in New York, so he's on Eastern time. I'm in New York, every morning, I get up at 5, 10 in the morning, um, I have a, a text from him every morning. So there's a true friendship that wow. we all have. Um, and there's a bond that, again, didn't happen that first year because you're trying to force it and those kinds of things. And I go back to our families are friends. Like my wife and Howie's wife text each other like, you know, high school girls, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing. So it's it's really a friendship. It's a brotherhood. It's a family. Mm -hmm. And I it, it hopefully it comes across on the air, but it, it, it's genuine. There's no faking it. We don't pretend that we like each other. We really do like each other. Even in the off season, we have a kind of a boys weekend that we do. It's been Vegas the last couple of years, but we used to rotate it. We do the Florida Keys where Jimmy was or how right. was a place in Montana. But we do. We get together for one weekend in the off season, um, at least, you know, and then when we're in each other's hometowns, we'll do dinners, but we talk. We have a text chain. I, I can't show you yeah. or else we'd all be fired. Oh, but, yeah. you know, okay. but it, it goes on all too, year I? long. 
you that's know, great. That and that just like helps so much on air because people do believe your relationship and the fact that you guys want to be around one another. Now, all of the people on the show are very different personalities and you have to manage them all. And when we return from this break, we're going to find out a whole lot more. Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. We've got Kurt Menefee from Fox here on the couch. We are sipping five now, huh? on yep, yeah. drink number five, just going down real easy. And you know what? I should get an Emmy for being able to still talk mm. and at least interview you somewhat with this drink. We'll replay this later on and you'll see. Yeah. Well, not, it worked out as well as you think it did. <laughs> yes, and r remind us what kind of tequila. Plaza Azul tequila. Mm. Mm. Only the best. I didn't even, I've seen this. I've seen it. Oh, oh, there you go. There it is. It's like haunting me. <laughs> um, I've seen this always. Isn't it a beautiful like, bottle? It's beautiful. See, that's one of the things, I mean, you know, you don't want to have too many because then people go, well, gosh, yeah, you drink a lot. Yeah, people collect them, though. Yeah, you can use it and you can just decorate the home with it. But yeah, if, if there's it. like 50 of them around the house, then people start to wonder. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, so Especially better not invite anyone calling over. authorities and everything. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. Well, we were just discussing the show, the, the big show, Fox NFL Sunday, and just because we don't know any of these guys, really. Yeah, you do. What? Yeah, I mean... No, my, no I'm saying you do. I, yeah. I tell people what you see on television is who they are. All, what we do on Sunday is the same thing we do in a hotel room on Saturday watching college football without the curse words and the adult beverages. <laughs> it is the same thing. Whatever you think of Terry, of Howie, of Michael, that's who they are. And that's one of the things I love about our show. Nobody's playing the character or a character. Terry's smarter than he lets on. I will say that's the one thing. He's not the, the dumb hillbilly that he pretends to be. Um, but that personality is who he is. He's a country guy. He owns a, a farm. He does horses. Um, he, you know, makes music. Everything you see, though, on the air is who that individual is. So if you think you know them based off their television personality, you really do. Okay, so then going through some of them, like... Mm -hmm. Jimmy Johnson, for example, coming from his coaching background, what makes his vantage point unique? What's something that would sort of surprise us about him? Jimmy is, he's the guy that, like, if I ever get in a jam as the host and I need to just lean on somebody, he's the guy I do um, because he can handle anything, anything. But Jimmy is the smartest guy on the show because I think he, he sees everything, two things he's really good at, which are usually opposite. He's really good at um, being analytical and seeing things from an analytical standpoint, which is why he's a good blackjack player, uh, he plays bridge, those kind of things, where it's all about numbers and it's all about uh, analytics. Mm. He's ahead of his time from that standpoint. But on top of that, he's a really good evaluator of people. Oh. And usually you can do one or the other. You know, you're a people person, but you don't really get numbers, or a numbers person, you don't get people. Jimmy's really balanced at, at doing both. And then, so when you go down the list, it's almost like they're characters in a, in a sitcom or yeah. a TV <laughs> show. Well, they are in a TV yeah. show, but Michael Strahan, so successful, mm -hmm. you know, just hosting so many things. Hardest working man in the business. What has made his, his star quality sort of transcend sports? I've, I've known Michael. Michael and I became friends in New York. When he played for the Giants, his second year with the Giants, um, when he was barely playing, and they were going to switch sides with him two years later, 
but whatever. Um, he and I became friends, and Jay Glazer, the three of mm -hmm. us, used to hang out together in New York. My first year was he uh, here in 95, Michael's second year. Uh, Jay was working for a free newspaper. And the three of us used to hang out all the time, just our personalities, we yeah. wound up liking one another. We got to dinner, we have drinks together. Uh, we were all younger and singler at that time. Then Michael got married. His wife at the time tried to set me up with her sister. Okay. I mean, like, all that. So yeah. I've known him forever, but he's always been that big, goof goofy, lovable guy who's got the serious side. Like, you've got right. guys like Terry or Gronk, that all you see is the, the goofy side. Mm -hmm. Michael has the ability to kind of show both. And I can remember an article I think Phil Mushnick wrote in the New York Post, late 90s, early 2000s, he knew that Michael and I were friends. And, you know, at that time, Michael had been playing probably seven, eight years. And you start thinking about, oh, this guy's almost done. You know, little did they know he'd still play uh, for 12 years uh, or overall. I think Michael played 15 years, excuse me, 15. So he still had more time. But anyway, um, he hit me up, to, he wanted to write an article about Michael and his TV future. And I said, Michael can do anything in his business he wants to, mm. whether it's entertainment, whether it's sports. And nobody was doing that at that point. Right. Now, I didn't think he would do them all at once. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I didn't think he'd do in one day. But, He's but, got every job. Yeah, he really does. It was like, leave some for the rest of us, you know? Yeah. But I, I think that just that side of him, that male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. People love him because he just... He's that big teddy bear. Right. Um, you mentioned Jay Glazer, and I read an interview with you where he said you're like a host and therapist. Yeah. In what you way are be. you a therapist for you these guys? Be. You listen to a lot of, um, you know what it is? It goes back to the friendship. And when I, when I think you'd have to ask Jay, who's best man at our wedding, by mm. the way. So, I mean, that's how close we are. He gave a wedding speech that got a lot of people in trouble and almost started a fight between <laughs> what? Uh, wife. What did he brother. say? Oh, it's... He decided he wanted to be the glaze. And he goes, I got to have jokes. I got to have material. Oh. And so some people who were there at Fox told him, hey, look, this, this is someone else's wedding. Mm -hmm. You're the best man. Do the speech. Don't. But he still had to be Jay. And he made some jokes that, or let's just say, were inappropriate at the time. Okay. Um, Trying out new material at a wedding is really risky. It's not good. Not good at all. <laughs> so afterwards, literally, my wife's brother-in-law, so her sister's husband, wanted to, wanted to fight him. He was so pissed. And my wife calmed everybody down. She's like, look, some things that happened in, 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 he didn't know about. He's just trying to be funny or whatever. Talked him off the ledge. But it was bad. So then Jay comes back. And he, every it, we got married in uh, May 31st. I better remember that. So I go to training camps in August. Every city, uh, every team I stop with, everybody, hey, I heard about Jay at your wedding. I heard about all these coaches and players around the league knew it because Jay came back and he told everybody. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was not a pretty scene. But anyway, um, being the therapist. But you're okay now. Yeah, we're good. fine. Yeah. My wife and I, we've been married for 10 years. So it's all worked out. Um, but I, I think, again, you'd have to ask him, but I think he means just from a personal standpoint as much as anything else. You know, I talk about the phone calls and text messages I got this morning. Again, none of them were about football. Mm -hmm. And so I will talk to these guys about things that are going on. And again, not that they're leaning on me as a therapist, but just conversations that you have yeah. with friends about things that are going on with their, their family. Or, you know, Jimmy and the, when the hurricanes hit him or those kinds of things um, that go on. I think that's probably as much as anything else, uh, kind of the role of being a therapist. Right, because point. you are, you know, we say this all the time, but you're the traffic cop, you're the quarterback, everyone kind of leans on you to mm -hmm. to direct everything. And before we go to break, just what would be the the hardest part of this role, in particular as it pertains to you, and then the easiest part? The easiest part is dealing with the egos. The easiest part is? Yeah. Okay. Because we have, you know, Michael, Terry, Howie, Jimmy, and Jay, five guys who outside of Fox NFL Sunday are accomplished in 
every field they've they've mm -hmm. done. Um, and so you would expect them to have giant egos. They don't, at least when we're together, they do not. And so there's no, like people, oh, how do you handle these type A personalities? It's because we all get along and, and I keep going back to that. And it really is genuine. So there's no ego to deal with. If, if I say, hey, we need to do this, we need to do this, everybody's fine, no problem, we're gonna do it. Um, so that's the easiest part. Uh, and I think most people think it was the hardest. The hardest part is, Probably just raining in the craziness sometime. Yeah. I mean, because we're doing live television and there's a clock going and, you know, we've got a game to get to, we've got a commercial to get to, whatever. And Terry's in the middle of laughing about something and Jimmy and, and they're going back and forth. And television doesn't work if three people are talking at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can't hear it. So you've got to calm everybody down, get to break or do whatever you need to do. So I guess just the mechanics of managing that. But hey, it's not digging ditches, trust me, okay? Yeah, it's I mean, not that hard. But you and you want to have that organic yes. energy, having these guys laughing, being able to finish their stories. Maybe but that's when... the thing. Is you, also you have to. One of the things I think all hosts have to do, and, I, and a lot of people do a great job at it, which you're trying to do right now, I know. But is being able. I'm to bad at it. I'm real bad at it right no, no, now. No, you're doing, you're doing <laughs> great. But you have to figure out when is the time I let I it go a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. I did that. I let it go. Or when's the time I got to cut it off and just go, hey, it's, we're out of time. Hey, we're out of time. We're going to be back after this. Drinks with Binks. <laughs>Guys, welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. You got Kurt Menefee from Fox. Can I go the by CM? CM. CM. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was JSB, debating whether or not CM. to put the middle initial, but it's not really your what's middle your, name. What's your CDM? That sounds cool. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like a a company that you want to buy paper from. Yeah, so, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, JSB, I've tried to, I've tried to um, get the website, get everything, but it's. Jersey Shore Business Center or something like that or like oh. Jersey Shore Banking I'm like eh, yeah, yeah. doesn't really have the They're same like, yeah, they can have it they no can, one's gonna confuse the two yeah, of them yeah, <laughs> they can have that uh, we were just talking about your show and NFL and Fox and it's been a unique start I mean we're halfway through it but the NFL season this year so many injuries some off-field issues you, I, I read the interview that you you text a lot of general managers, you know, six or seven general managers a week, just getting their their thoughts on what's going on right now. What are some of the biggest stories that you're sort of like dialed into? You know, I, I think when you look at it, we're just beyond the halfway point. Um, I think the the big question, the biggest thing, and not even a question, is just about how successful these young quarterbacks have been. You know, it used to be, oh my God, this team lost their starting quarterback, their season's over. From a television standpoint, oh, my gosh, we've lost a star quarterback. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to watch. And it's been the opposite this year. The ratings have been, at least for us here at Fox, I saw this week, it's the best ratings we've had since 2015. Um, you know, the Saints lose Drew Brees, and they keep winning. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we've seen that all around the league. These young quarterbacks have come in more prepared than probably they've ever been. And I think it's surprised even some of the team. Now, you talk to the people whose team has to play that young quarterback, yeah. and they will tell you it doesn't surprise them. You talk to someone who's an outside observer, and a lot of them have been surprised by the play of, of, of the young guys. So I think that's probably as big a story because had it gone the other way, we'd be talking about the ratings are a disaster, this team is in trouble, you know, this team has no shot that we thought at the beginning of the year had a Super Bowl chance, and we aren't discussing any of that right now. It's gung-ho as we go in, and usually once you get to Thanksgiving, it's nothing but excitement because then it becomes about playoff races and all right. that kind of stuff. It's the getting to Thanksgiving that's a challenge usually, and that hasn't been the case this year. You talk about some of those young quarterbacks, you talk about playoffs, those are two things that aren't really together in New York right now. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, Daniel yeah, yeah. Jones, Sam Darnold. Let's just 
quick thoughts on the Jets. Adam Gase, how much, how much is this Adam Gase's fault? Um, the reason I hesitate, I think a lot of it is is on Gase. You know, I do. I, I don't think that, I think he was brought in to develop Darnold and, and Darnold's regressed, if anything. But I want to give him an asterisk because anytime you lose a guy in his second year mm. for three weeks, that's going to stun his development. I mean, it just, it has to. Um, it's like if you were studying Spanish and for three weeks you didn't get to study, you're not going to come right back in and pick up where you left off. So I, I do give Gase an asterisk from that standpoint. Uh, and they've had injuries all over that team, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been another thing. But I still think that the team has not is not where it should be. All of those things can happen. And you lose those games when you got to start your third-string quarterback. But when you get your pieces together, you should be more competent. Right. And I don't think this team has been that on the field. And to me, that always goes back to the head coach. Yeah, and as you mentioned, they were sort of starting from a negative, And mm -hmm. Darnold wasn't able to work out yeah. or train or anything. Yeah, and so that's why you want to give them a break. Yeah, yeah so but that's it shouldn't why... be this bad. And, and what about then another young quarterback but Daniel Jones? Mm -hmm. How do you think he's fared as a rookie so far? As a rookie. You know, it's one of those things. Had he not had the opening game against Tampa or even just come out of the gate like he did, I think people would expect him to be like he is. You, you make some good plays, you throw an interception. He fumbles a little bit too much maybe, um, but those things hopefully will come as he gets to play more and more and more. If you look back, you know, I wound up doing this thing, thing with Peyton Manning um, uh, about a year ago, and we were at this event, and right before the event, it's funny, I got sent this release thing because they wanted to use a call that I made of a game that, back when I was doing play-by-play mm -hmm. -play, that Peyton had done where he set the record for most interceptions. It was his rookie year. It was the last game of his rookie year that Peyton Manning threw, I think it was 27 interceptions, but I called that game, so I decided to release for them to do it. And we got to discussing, is like back then, you were a rookie, you threw interceptions, you made mistakes, but people understood it. Right. Now... You're supposed to be perfect coming out of the gate. And I know we've talked about these young quarterbacks doing well, but the expectations are also different, which is why it's impressive that young guys have done well. But I think Daniel Jones is just a guy that he's going to have a good play and two bad plays. And eventually you will hopefully for him get over that hump. Eli did it when he was a rookie. Peyton did it when he was yeah. a rookie. All these guys went through that. But everyone just wants to win now. now Everyone's just exactly. so impatient. But um, got to ask you, though, a lot in the news about Baker Mayfield. He's mm -hmm. been a, a, a very tumultuous personality. Yeah, what are we doing? How do you, how, yeah. if you're Cleveland, like, I mean, you're you're two and six. This is you were yeah. Super Bowl, you know, excited. Not, I don't want to say potentially, Expected, but you won yeah. the off season. Well, here's, the, I'll go back Where do to you go from here. I, I think, and maybe I'm the eternal optimist from this standpoint. I still think they're going to finish right around 500. Mm -hmm. I want to say right around whether it's seven and nine or eight and eight, whatever. You know, but if you're two and six right now, that means they're probably going to win six of their last eight games. I, I think that the the possibility is still there. Um, if it doesn't, it's going to be interesting to see what they do about Freddie Kitchens after the end of the year, because he's a guy who, as we all know, hadn't even been a coordinator. Right. You know, and now a head coach. That's a lot of responsibility for. It's like being a, a rookie quarterback. You're going to make some mistakes, and if you're uh, an organization who truly believes in this guy, you got to ride those out. Right. And you got to let him grow through them, and hopefully by the end of the year, you're not making those same mistakes. Uh, and I think the same thing with Baker. We talk about how he's regressed and this kind of thing. But I remember, you know, going through training camps at the beginning of the season. Everybody wanted to talk about the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, and I'll go back to then. If you can find any interviews I did then, I said I, I thought they were a team that would probably be about eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe, and people would look at that as a disappointment. Because they had them in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And I go, they're not ready. Mm -hmm. I mean, this team is still too young. Their offensive line's horrible. Their front four and defense is good. Their back 
seven, or back five, excuse me. Um, I got to do math here. They're back seven. I was like, <laughs> te tequila. Hey, hey, hey there you go. Um, they're back seven. Show. It doesn't bowl me over. So you start looking at that team. There were there were holes that people right. wanted to ignore because they saw Baker and they saw yeah, OBJ. Oh, yeah, and Jarvis Landry that. and Nick Chubb. They're like, oh, they can outscore people. No, they can't because their defense is not good enough and their offensive line wasn't good enough. So I'm not. the point is, I'm not surprised where they are. And if they finish eight and eight, that's more games than they won last year. Yeah, that's true. But people don't want to buy that because they wanted them to you win are an optimist, 10 or 11. I, yeah, I okay. do not think that's going to happen. Especially <laughs> I don't think people the, in Cleveland won't look at yeah, it. Yeah, and it's just even the way that Baker's presenting himself, yeah. it's not helping. That's, yeah. that's not going to help on the field. I agree but, with that. I do agree with that. Right. Before we move on to XFL, I got to ask you, though, what's uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's in the Super Bowl and who's going to win it? All right. So my preseason pick was Kansas City and Philadelphia with Philadelphia winning it. As we sit here in November, I'm going to go with New Orleans yep. and Kansas City. Oh! I still think... I do think, they KC? I still... Because I... Beats the Patriots? Yeah, I do. I do. And that Why? game will How? probably be in New England, obviously. I mean, unless yeah. something bad happens to the Patriots between now and then, they're going to have home field advantage. So I look at... I still think... Because if you look at... Even last year, Kansas City... If, if they don't line up off sides, they win the game. They still scored over 40 against New England in the AFC Championship game. This defense for the Patriots is better than it was then. Don't get me wrong. Incredible. But the Chiefs are going to be able to score, and all they need to do is make one defensive stop more than they did last year. And that was what... Yeah, what about Mahomes' knee? But, he's going to be sure. fine. He'll, he'll be back this he'll week. Fine. He'll be fine. Okay. He'll be fine. Their defense is starting to play better, and I think that's what their goal was this offseason – one defensive stop per game better, and, and we're going to be fine. And they st came out of the gate yeah. slowly. Mahomes going down put more pressure on them. It changed the way they played. They blitz more. They're getting some pressure from the guys up front. Well, I so hope, I still think I they're the best team. Right, I think I'm, by the end they'll be the best team. Uh, yeah, I am pretty much over the Patriots since day one. But who wins that? The um, Saints or? Oh, the Super Bowl? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump all in on Patrick Mahomes. Okay. All right. Chiefs. Yeah. Heard it here first. Even right. realistically, I think the Saints. Yeah. I know. I, I just yeah, split yeah, both yeah, ways. Uh, that way, we will run whichever one I was right with. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we'll the Saints, out for the Saints are the more complete team. Okay. But I want, you know what part of it is? You talk about that eternal optimist. I want Andy Reid to win a Super Bowl. More it would be great. Else. It he's would the, be nice for him. He's the nicest he's guy had in the world, and he deserves it. He's had a couple of blowbacks. Yeah, so I'm kind of rooting for him. Okay. Great. Okay, well, we're rooting for you guys to stay tuned <laughs> with us after this break. We'll be back. Hey guys, we are drinking and binking here on Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB, of course, and we've got CDM. There we go. Kurt Menifee, host of NFL on Fox. And also, you're going to be doing XFL play-by-play. Mm -hmm. -play. Yeah. You did a lot of play-by-play -play in your career. How did this particular opportunity come to fruition? Uh, Fox came to me and said, we want you to do the XFL. And you were like, okay. Yes. Yeah, no, no, it, it's one of those things I missed doing play-by-play. -play. I did a couple of games, NFL games, on uh, the Saturday last year when they have those December mm -hmm. two Saturdays in a row. Uh, and it reminded me of how much I missed it. And so, you know, the XFL is coming this year. Fox has in one of the packages along with ABC, ESPN. And um, they want to make sure that people understand that it's real football. Right. You know, it's not the goofy XFL that, that was the early iteration back in the early 2000s. So I'm going to do the play-by-play -play of the lead team. There will be two crews at Fox and then two at ESPN, uh, ABC. And um, I'll do the Saturday evening game with Joel Klatt. 
Mm. You know, Great. who's the lead Love college Joel. football guy. Our producer is his main producer who does the big college game with Gus and Joel every week. And our director is the guy who directs Joe and Troy's games and will do the Super Bowl this year. Great. So, I mean, they put together a legitimate crew to do this the real, the real way. And then try and cover it like a football. Right, because it's going to be different. You know, they're saying it's not going to be sort of. Yeah, all there'll the... be some different rules. You know, instead of kicking the extra point, you can go for one, two, or three, depending on whether, right. you know, where you, they place the ball. Um, different rules with the kickoffs. There's some things that will people understand will make the game a little bit different, but then they're still going to be. But football. no wrestling, none of that. No, 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 no. And no putting the ball in the middle of the field and, you know, no cheerleaders bringing it out and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be football. And there are going to be guys that you recognize. Maybe not every guy. You know, but I mean, like the quarterbacks have already been allocated. I know Landry Jones, Cardell Jones, Aaron Murray. I mean, they're guys that you know of. There'll be some position players, um, and they're you know eight teams, so it'll be easy to kind of figure out who's who yeah. as opposed to a 30-team league. Um, the games will be on Saturdays and Sundays. It starts right after the Super Bowl. I'll do the Super Bowl on Fox. It's going to be great for you, yeah. Super Bowl on Fox in Miami on uh, Sunday, and that following Saturday, do the first XFL game in Houston. Which we were just saying is difficult because you got to learn all these yeah. new guys. It's not yeah. the same but guys you've got you know, here. Because the reason I started doing NFL games at Fox is because I did NFL Europe. Right. So I did 10 years of NFL Europe. I did 10 years of play-by-play -play at Fox, all before being in the studio. But... It, it was a similar experience in that you've got guys that are on the cusp of making the NFL. Yes. And so it becomes more than just about football. It's about their stories yeah. and who they are, their backgrounds. And some of these guys you know and others you don't, but they'll make a name for themselves. And I always go back to the, the NFL Europe. I mean, no, there's one point that 20% of the league, NFL, uh, had played in NFL Europe. And that included guys like Kurt Warner and Jake DeLome and um, Marvin, uh, Marvin Harrison, James Harrison. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we even had Lawrence Phillips was over there one year. But I mean, guys that went on to have prominent NFL careers. Uh, we have referees. We have officials in the right. league office. So uh, broadcasters. And so it was a really good league for that standpoint. And I think the XFL has the potential to do that for football players. Yeah, because some of these guys could end up having a, a, a second life in NFL exactly. or beyond. And But what do you, why do you think that this, this, iteration of XFL will succeed? I, I, a couple things. One, I think because it will be real football. You know, it's not gimmicky. Um, there'll be, again, a couple different rules, but those are almost experimental that I think some of them the NFL will adopt someday anyway, because we're getting closer than mm -hmm. them getting rid of the kickoff, things like that. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the people that are running it and the people that, you know, Oliver Luck, who's Andrew Luck's father, mm -hmm. is the commissioner of the league, um, but he also ran NFL Europe. Um, he was the athletic director of West Virginia. He played in the NFL. Um, and so he and the scouting department are getting legitimate guys. The coaching staffs, you look around, you know, you've got Bob Stoops as a coach there. Right, yeah. You've got June Jones. You've got Pep Hamilton. You've got guys that have been in the NFL that have been a part of it. And so for them, this is not about trying to make a name for themselves. This is about coaching. Right. So I, I think if you get the, the if it everything stems from the top, no matter what the organization is. So if you get the top full of people that know what they're doing and that are serious about it, and then you get players that obviously can play football, it will filter down. I think it'll command the general interest of people. Right. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. A bold prediction: someone playing in the NFL right now who will be in the XFL next year. Oh wow! Look, I love the potential of the XFL, but that's a step down. So you're saying who's yeah. going to get knocked out of the NFL? Who's going to play in the retract XFL? in their career? Who's going to be a bum next year? I'm joking. That's quality football. Yeah, that's, that's too hard to answer. Okay, because but you, you do you think know. that we might see a bit of... Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I think we will, because I do think that the XFL is going to work. I really do. Um, 
I know that Fox is committed to it for three years. Mm -hmm. uh, the league is financially sound, so it's not going anywhere for a couple right. of years at least. So yeah. as that happens and the league has success, you're going to get guys that want to make a name for themselves to get on NFL rosters, but you're also going to get guys, and there are a couple already that have played they in the NFL. Cut, but they have another chance. Exactly, and this is a chance for them, to, mm -hmm. rather and than Richardson lifting weights. Could Richard, yeah. He is there. Yeah, Richardson's the NFL, uh, XFL. Uh, you know, a guy like Cason Williams, who was with the Seattle Seahawks and with the Cleveland Browns, as a receiver who's kind of gotten a chance but never got a chance to stick. Right. You know, like those kinds of guys will will do it, and I think we'll get some guys who may maybe play three, four, five years, but they don't get back on a roster. Right. I'm not saying Des Bryant will be a guy. Don't no, get me wrong. No. But a guy who had a career yeah, that can't get things. back on and needs to re-kick it. Yeah, kickstart it himself. Sure a guy like that could do maybe it. Maybe a guy like Antonio Brown might be also trying to... Uh, well, they've been clear in saying that they wouldn't take him. We all sit here in a room and say one thing at one time. That's I'm interested to see how well, that turns out. At this out. time that the show airs, we're not sure exactly right. <laughs> how this saga yeah. has unveiled. But I will say... People from the CFL might also be trying to get That's there. True. But we'll talk more about Kurt's illustrious career when we return. Hope you're liking the show. As always, kindly give us a five-star rating, please, and subscribe to the podcast. Who knows? You might even read your review on the air. And now, let's get back to the action. Welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. We've got Kurt Menefee from Fox. We've been talking tons of NFL, XFL. But you also have a, a cool new show that is America's Top, Top Dog. Yes. Tell us about it. All right. America's Top Dog comes your way on A&E Network in January. And um, it's a spinoff of Live PD, which is the big show on, on A&E. Right. The Friday night episode is three hours Friday, three hours Saturday. The Friday night episode of Live PD is the number one show on all of cable. The Saturday night episode is the number two show on all of cable. Wow. So people really love this show. And so it's a spinoff of that because what they've done is they take... One police dog, every episode of my show, America's Top Dog, has one police dog from Live PD competing against three dogs from law enforcement agencies around the country okay. and then one civilian underdog. Aww. And what they do is our uh, showrunner, executive producer, is the person who, who was the executive producer and, and um, did... Um, American Ninja Warrior. Oh, okay, great. So it's a very similar format. I say, Ooh, imagine Ninja Warrior with dogs. For dogs. Yeah, it, but it's 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 the greatest thing in the world because it shows the relationship between the dogs and the handler. Ah, uh, yeah. Because they have to complete the complete the course together. So as the dog swims through the water, the the handler has to do it. As the dog walks across a shaky bridge, the handler has to do it. But you see how they respond to one another, and the you know, like if you have a dog at home and you try and train them, how the dog looks at you and waiting for you to give right. them right command, and then sometimes they decide to do their own thing. You know, yeah. like it's, if the trainer falls in the water like does the dog try to help them yeah it, it's 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 great to watch and you you're able to see the, the bond and the relationship they have but especially these are the dogs that are in law enforcement okay. so those you know they need to be on the same page uh, you know yeah. in order to save lives literally sometimes so it's fun to watch that but the dogs are they're the greatest in the world we shot it uh this summer and as i said it, it airs on uh, a and e it's just, it was a fun show to do uh, did you get to hang out with the dogs we got to hang out with well the answer is yes and no. We got to hang out with the civilian dogs, yeah. not the law enforcement dogs. Right, because they're not supposed to have... Exactly, you know, exactly. So there's a whole thing about you, you can't be near yeah. them, you can't do this. But what winds up happening is eventually we wind up hanging out with a couple of the law enforcement yeah, dogs. Yeah, I mean, they're because, cool. They're yeah, cool. and then the, and the handlers them. know how to yeah. make sure they're fine around everybody. And that's one of the things I, I loved about it is because in the end you realize these are pets. Yeah, Because are. every canine officer, the dog that they have... They take home. 
So it's their dog that their kids play with, mm, that they go for walks with. So that dog can't be on all the time. It has to be mm -hmm. a pet, a normal right. dog. And so you get to see that side of the dogs as we do the show and we go you know, home with all these people. So I think it's a good reminder that every time you see a police dog on TV, they're vicious and they're barking yeah. and they're chasing criminals. But in real life, they're just like your dog. They play. Up your socks. Yeah, they play catch. Yeah, they're with the kids. House. They do yeah. those kinds of things. So it's and fun. You you mentioned pets. You also have two dogs. Yeah, Tell yeah, me yeah. About them. yeah. We've got two rescue dogs, Abby and Toby. Uh, Eight-year-old Abby's a Lab Shepherd mix, and then Toby's a French Bulldog Corgi okay. mix. Uh, he's four. But again, you know, they're rescue dogs, so we're kind of guessing on that. Yeah. But they get along. They're best friends in the world. Uh, living in Southern California. And great. you wanted to get another. I want to get a third. Said, my wife. That's a lot. My wife wants to get a third on certain days, and I'm trying to coordinate the days that she wants to and get one on those days. Yeah. You know, it's like, Mommy, can we get a puppy? Because she's kind of on board. Yeah. You, know, you can no, tell her. She's probably watching the show right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm sure she is. She's probably drinking and watching yeah. the show. <laughs> or maybe drinking because she's watching yeah. the show. So you never know. But no, I, I think we're on the on the, on the the edge of doing it. Right. Um, and so I do a lot of work with rescue, uh, dog rescue organizations. Oh, that's great. Flags and walks in Southern California. And every time we go there, we fall in love with a dog. And that's part of the issue. You, know, you can't leave without you thinking bring everyone about one home. at least. It really is. It's great. Yeah. I, I tell people, rescue is the best way to go. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I always go, like, in the end, you don't know who saved who. No, I mean, it, that, it's, oh, that's it's, so true. It's so great. Well, I mean, you're doing a show with dogs. You're doing a show football, XFL. Kurt Menefee's got it made. Don't go anywhere. And now I'm doing a show with you. And now me. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. This is the pinnacle. <laughs>